Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. I'm giving you a bonus episode of We Need to Talk. Um, if you have been listening to this show from the very beginning, you already kind of know this story, but let me just give you a little background on what this show's about. Um, so We Need to Talk started in 2015 in New York City as a show called Kyle's Friends Are Funny. But my one-line sort of joke that I tell about that is that I started a show called, called Kyle's Friends Are Funny. Uh, turns out they're not, so I had to rename the show. But what really happened was I kept finding myself falling into conversations that were more fascinating and in-depth than just purely funny. And that's okay, because too many times in life do we focus so hard on what we want it to be rather than what it is. And what it was was a great show. It was just misnamed because not all Kyle's, not all of Kyle's friends are funny. Some of them are very fascinating. Some of them are very, very intelligent. Some of them are very emotionally intelligent. Um, and I have a lot of friends who are experts on one particular thing. Um, so, yeah, I just I decided to disassemble and reassemble as a brand new show. But it was assembled in the exact same space as the old show. So I needed to come up with a very interesting or convenient way to keep the content from the first show because I had um, several really great episodes like the episode with my mother and father. Um, it was really important to my family to have that on on you know on record. So I want to keep that and it's very much a part of me and Last week, you met my partner, Ethan, and he was one of the very first ep- uh, guests on Kyle's Friends Are Funny as well, and that's what this episode is. I just finished re-listening to it, and it's very, I don't know, it's really interesting to see where I was back then, even four years ago, as to where I am now. And this show really does, this episode that I'm about to show you, it really does start off pretty dramatically now that I'm you know got the distance to hear it because this was me coming out to the world and it kind of almost breaks my heart because I can hear my voice quavering quivering and my you know my confidence wavering and um I almost even have trouble saying it because I know once I say it it's out loud and it's there because I sort of came out in my own my own world sort of person by person and like there was never one exact way how I came out to people I told you know my sister in the pool one one summer and I told my um my other family members in different ways and then some people like I didn't even come out to them until it was so prevalent that I just kind of didn't even care how I said it anymore and now I am the type of person who lives my life out loud unapologetically um, but very respectful of everyone around me. But it's just, it's kind of interesting to, to hear that and see how far I've come. But 
I just wanted to forewarn everybody that it gets kind of heavy in the very, very first moments of that episode, but then it gets really topical. So I hope you enjoy it. It's very much all about the Oscars that year, and it was all about, um, I think it was Fuller House, right when Fuller House was premiering on Netflix, because I'm a huge TV junkie, and I watched Full House all the time. But I did want to just explain that. Um, So, yeah. This is the episode with me and Ethan from Kyle's Friends Are Funny. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Kyle's Friends Are Funny. In this fourth and final episode of the premiere month, I'm doing something that I didn't know if I was going to do. But ultimately, after thinking about it for a while, I decided I'm going to do it. I'm sitting down with with my partner, Ethan. I wanted to use the first few episodes to show the more intimate side of who I am, and that included my parents and my my sister, and now it includes the other part, the part that some people know about and some people don't. But Ultimately, I wanted to be true to myself in this show, and I don't think it could have been a success any other way had I not been true to myself. And the truth is, I have a partner, and we've been together for six years, and I'm really happy. And I can't wait for you to see how conversations in this house go on a daily basis. something for the cold open. What do you think? Okay, so I can say something, then you'll say something, then I'll say something, then you say something funny. So it's all up to me to be funny in this cold open. What is your show? fourth episode of my premiere month of Kyle's Friends Are Funny. It's been a long time since since I started the idea of having this podcast, and now I'm in the fourth episode, and I've been waiting to have you on because, hello, you're the, you're the, you're the source of most of my comedy at this point. No. So, <laughs> well, you and this one, yeah. Benny, so you've been, uh, You've been gone for part of this month because you didn't get to go home for Christmas, so you just got back from your Christmas vacation. That's right. How was it? Was it good to go back and get out of New York? It was great. Um, For a while. I've noticed now, having done it for two years and gone back more than twice. This is a third year. Third third Christmas that we've been here. Um, Every time, it's been nicer to go back and nicer... (laughs) <laughs> to be back in New York afterwards. That's what I, that's what I, the first month, the first time we went home for Christmas, I was like, mm, I could stay. But that was because we were broke. Mm. We lost every penny we had <laughs> that first year. No, see, the first time for me, 
it was like the first year I believe we were only there for th- three days or four days but by the end of it I was ready to be back in New York. Really? I was like, get me out of here. And then the second time, we got to stay longer. We got to stay for like a week or so. And about halfway through is when I started getting to missing New York. And then this time, I never missed New York the whole time I was there. The whole time I was there, I was like, I've missed these people and I miss my family. But then the minute the plane landed here, I thought, oh, thank God, I'm back home. What did, was that because you, you finally know that New York is your home and it's there and it's always going to be there and it's where you belong? That so you can actually just sit here and enjoy this moment? I think that must have a lot to do with it because I mentioned to you in a text that this was the first trip I've ever taken back to Alabama where I've told friends and family that New York is home. I referred to it as, uh-huh. well, when I get back home, blah, blah, blah. So I think that might have a lot to do with it. Well, see, for me, when the first year we went home, I had lost... Because, first of all, when you move to New York, you lose so much weight because you're walking. And also, that summer, it was the hottest that they've had on record for a long, long time. So I sweat a lot. Hmm. And we were broke, so we didn't really eat that much. So I lost so much weight. I looked so great. And I went home for Christmas. And everybody's like, whoa, New York looks good on you. And then I was like, yes, I know it does. And now I'm fat again. So it's fine. It's whatever. It's whatever. Your body gets used to it. <laughs> Your body get you, you figure out how to eat in New York. and Guys, like, out there, if you're trying to lose weight, I'm telling you, ignore everything you've heard <laughs> about carbs. If you're living every day on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch and chicken noodle soup for dinner, you will drop the pounds. And then walk. Walk some, you know. And then walk. Walk to work every yeah. day. Um, well, while you were gone, Benny, he cried every night, and he, he begged me to call you and tell you to come back, and he mostly cried into this bowl of food. He's, a, he's an emotional eater like me. Mm. So he, he missed you, and he would eat all around the clock. Well, also, this kind of marks the end of the first month of 2016, and it seems like this year's theme is death. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we, we lost Natalie Cole. We lost Alan Rickman. We lost David Bowie. Um, the music world lost uh, a producer in Rene Angelil, mm-hmm. who is Celine Dion's husband. Um, apparently Celine Dion's brother. Yeah, Celine and then two Dion's days brother. later, her brother passed away. And he did pass away? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. They died two, two, two days apart. I knew he was... They were, you know, saying that he would. But yeah, so it's been, a, it's been crazy. But everybody that I've talked to this year has said that they feel like 2016 is the year to thrive. It's the year to put good things. And for me, I've thrived so much so far because I have a new show yeah. on iTunes. But hey, it's only been a month, you <laughs> know? Every single year, you know me, on New Year's Eve, I'm like, it's the best year ever! And 20- Usually it takes not very much not much time at all. 2015 was, <laughs> she, she was, she was a conniving little poot, so, um, <laughs> but she taught me a lot of things. I saw this BuzzFeed article that the title was, guys, 2015 was just dumb. And I think that's a great way to describe it, because just dumb stuff happened in 2015. and the thing is, I think one of the things for you and me was that my grandmother passed away this summer, this past summer in 2015. Your grandfather passed away this summer in 2015. And Megan, my sister, her husband's grandmother passed away two months after Granny passed. So we we lost the generation this year in our little world. Yeah. We lost a little bit of the the first generation. But yeah, I think 2016 is going to be great. Um, I think so too. And I was sort of wondering because... To a certain extent, everybody says that at the beginning of a year. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is going to be the, the year to prosper and the year to change. But for whatever reason, I just feel in my bones a crackle in the air that it really is this year. 2016 is going to be a very transformative year for the world. Well, the astronomers say so, because I don't know. 
astrologers. Sure. Astrologers, astronomy. Which <laughs> one's which? Astronomy is the science. Astrology is the the astrologers. Magic. Well, both because they say that the way that Venus is positioned, she's she's given. She's giving what? I don't know. She's 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 got giving birth. No, she. They just said I don't know. Somebody said something. You know, mm-hmm. holding her crystals, rubbing her cross, or whatever, and <laughs> okay. said that. Um, said that it's that coming. Something happens with Venus this year that makes life way better. Venus says it's coming. Okay. So I don't know, but yada yada yada. I'm a Taurus. And I'm an Aries. So. <laughs> Whoa. The here. I don't know if they can hear that or not. I'm sure it'll be in the um, But if you hear a hissing and a wheezing, it's not Benny crying into his bowl of chow or whatever. It's our heater. It's our radiator. Yeah, the radiator. Welcome to New York. Mm, it's been waiting for you. Where the other day it was actually pretty warm, and it was like 43, 44 degrees outside. The radiator was not on. So I was freezing, and then yesterday the first snow came, and... The heat came on, and I had to turn a fan on and sleep with less clothes. So, what are you going to do? Interesting tidbit for people out there who are interested in this sort of thing. <laughs> um, I don't know the exact temperature, so don't quote me on it, but for whatever reason, in New York, I saw at one point that the temperature outside has to be below 38 degrees, I think, before the buildings are required to provide heat. So, it basically, it almost has to be freezing before your radiator will come on and keep you warm. So invest in blankets and space heaters, otherwise you won't be a happy camper in the winter. You won't survive. You might survive. Brace yourself. <laughs> Brace yourself. Winter is coming. I still like it. I like it. I mean, I like it. When I'm in the house, looking at it outside, drinking my coffee, watching live with Kelly and Michael, yeah, I like the snow, but when I have to sludge in it, I don't like it. But this month, Two things happened this month, and we're going to talk about both of them today, this coming month, in February. Okay. First is the Oscars. Yes. Um, the Oscar nominations, those were... Announced. And a, a huge disappointment. Yes. Massive disappointment. Because... In a couple of ways. And everybody's upset. Everybody's on fire. Um, and this is pre-recorded, so on the week that it airs, the, the story may change. But as of right now, what everybody's pissed about is that there are no people of color nominated. Not one. Yeah, we're not, we're not trying to be sarcastic or anything. There is literally zero people of color so, nominated. There is one transgender person who is nominated so it's like, okay, fine. Great, yeah. I love that's that's wonderful that you're treating a transgender person as if their art matters. I mean, but it's not like you've done some great service. Yeah. To You don't get a cookie academy. You, you that's what baffles me when people in that kind of situation treat people with the respect they deserve and then they feel like, Well, we we did this great thing. It's like you didn't do anything. You right. you awarded someone with the nomination because their work merited it. Right. I don't think you should nominate somebody who didn't deserve it, no matter what they are. Which that's not to say that that person, that trans person shouldn't be celebrated because it is boundary breaking. But yeah, for the people who are presenting those awards and giving those accolades, they're doing 
they don't deserve any kind of special treatment because that's their job. They're doing their job by presenting these awards and these nominations based on a person's work. Mm-hmm. And I saw a really interesting Huffington Post video that was the compilation saying that I think that the Academy is 94% white and 77% men. And David Oyelowo said in this piece something that struck with me. He said, we are always rewarded with the Oscar when we're in roles of subservient positions. Right. Hattie McDaniel for Mammy. Octavia Spencer for The Help. She was a maid. Um, And even in a place where, not subservient, but stereotypical, because Cuba Gooding Jr. won for playing a loud, brash, black man football player Mm -hmm. in Jerry Maguire. So it's like, he's saying, you've picked where you want us. And then if we do that well, you'll give us an award. Which, if you think about it enough, is very chill-inducing and not in a good way. It really is, because look at um, Viola Davis. She was... the only one I can really recall, because I know she's been nominated maybe a few times, but the one that I recall was that she was playing sort of this caring, outspoken person, mother in doubt, in the movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman and the, what's her name? Mm. The most important lady in Hollywood. Um, Bernard Peters. Really? No. That's who you think the most important lady in Hollywood is? Sure, yeah. She's on Broadway. She's not be the most important. She's the mother of Broadway, but I was thinking of Meryl Streep. Oh. Bernadette Peters. You know how I almost said Glenn Close. <laughs> well, Glenn Close would have been closer than Bernadette Peters. Glenn Close is the Meryl Streep of being Glenn Close. Bernadette Peters played um, Leanne Rahm's guardian angel in a Christmas movie once. She did? Yes. Where? What was happening in her life at that time? She was dead. Bernadette Peters was dead? Yeah, you find out at the end of the movie. She's, she, she's shooting up and Leanne's like, I don't want to say that. And she's like, don't worry, honey. It's just um, insulin. She's a diabetic. Interesting. But then she was dead. But then she was dead. Yeah, so. Mm. No, and she she played Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, the something evil stepmother or something. Oh, uh, I don't Kate know. Blanchett. Are we on the same topic? I've already said it. I've already said it. It's Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. This is guest important women in Hollywood. My point was that in the movie Doubt, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman and what I deemed the most important lady in Hollywood, not Bernadette Peters, but Meryl Streep, Uh and Amy Adams was there. She was nominated for that, but she didn't win. Right. Because she wasn't a maid or something. But she, she took hers, though. She, I mean, I think she really vindicated the award system when she was, she won black woman to win an Emmy for How to Get Away with Murder. Right. And that's a very, like, that was a woman running her life. Yes. Who happened. Well. That's what I'm proud of, is that she was a woman who was powerful and boisterous and in control. Not the most sane person ever. I mean, she was was a woman of power, Yes, she She was was a woman of power, and she happened to be black. She didn't win, and the role wasn't written because she was black. It doesn't matter that she was black. Right. Could have been a white woman. I think it would have been more boring because, you know, who cares? Yeah, I true. Mean, not because of I wanted her to be black, but because Viola Davis is so compelling. Yeah. And that, that scene where she takes off her makeup and she pulls her eyelashes, that's everything. But yeah, this year, people just anybody of color was forgotten. And I saw an article written about it, and the article was mentioning sort of this open letter that someone in the Academy had written. And it was there were sections like to all the people of color and to all the white people and to all the fellow Academy members. And he made some great points all across the board because he said, to all the people of color, we're sorry because you deserve better. And to my fellow Academy members, 
we have to do better. And to all the white actors and all the white people in Hollywood who were nominated, I also feel sorry for you because your accolades and your nominations are going to be questioned because this light that mm-hmm. has happened. It's not going to mean as much because it's no longer who won, who did the best work. It's who, what white person did the best work. Right. Well, you, you were the best white performance of this year. Yeah, and Will Smith. It was like people, critics... Fans, everybody was saying that this was his year because he he was I, I can't remember if it was Nigerian, but it was an African accent mm-hmm. that and and he was playing this deeply touching role, and it seemed like it might have been his year. Uh, he and Jada Pinkett Smith, I think more Jada Pinkett Smith than him, was saying we're boycotting this and like because she's mad, she's yeah. angry sometimes, but get angry, she needs to be angry because she was fish moony and shame on her for not coming back for season two in Gotham. Um, she was too busy doing Magic Mike XXL. Which they say she was living in that role. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, she was living for that role. Uh, and then at the end, the Huffington Post piece that I saw pretty much just kind of summed it up as in the year of Black Lives Matter. Some people have said no. No, they don't. Not really. Not in entertainment. Or not as far as the Academy is concerned. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's still the highest award you can get. But what does it mean? What does it matter if it's all just white, rich men voting on? And, and they also said that the average age in the Academy is 63. Mm-hmm. They said the average age is 63. So it's these old white men and again, which you would but the thing is Hollywood has always been liberal so you would yes. think that they wouldn't fall into the normal demographic of America's 65 year old white male which my father right. is 67 and he's a democrat till the day he dies but and that's not to say that all white men over 63 are you know conservative curmudgeons look at Bernie Sanders right and the that's, exact I mean, that's, opposite that's of that. the thing my father Bernie Sanders there's people out there who right. don't really care about the you know conservatism and I don't even really think it's conservatism I think it's just bigotry yes which is not the same because being conservative means you value family values and you value a unit and uh, or family unit and you you value somebody never mind (laughs) it was a joke in my head I thought it was hilarious oh I was just nodding along um there's a difference but bigotry and racism. And I always say there's a difference between racism and stereotyping someone. Stereotyping someone yeah. is making a judgment based on their race or their demographic that, you know, saying that all gay men love Liza Minnelli and Judy Garland. Right. Sure, most of them do. I mean, we do. For some but. reason. But it's like, love Lady, Ga- love, love Lady Gaga, love Liza Minnelli if you want to, but have whatever you want in life if you work hard. Right. Being racist or whatever is saying that I'm better than you, I deserve more than you, because I'm white. So, yes. And that's that's where this is more racist than stereotype in this Academy thing, right. I think. I mean, and there's accidental racism, because you don't know what you don't know. Well, that's more ignorance, I would say. Exactly. I don't, mm, I don't really know. I'm going to put this out there. I don't really know if you can be accidentally racist. I guess that's true, yeah. Ignorance leads to... Well, okay, I think ignorance leads to accidental racism. Because if you don't know how hard somebody's worked just to get a seat at the table, then shame on you. That's on you. Yeah. yeah. Because there are there are lots of compelling characters and movies over the years that probably should have been nominated. For sure. What are you gonna do? Do you wanna take that back to the to the globes and discuss the globes at the same time? Sure. What are your thoughts? Well, from going from the social disappointment that the Oscars is set to become, I think we can also talk about the professional disappointment that the Globes were, because as 
uh, entertainment industry junkies that you and I are. I was about to say, let me put a pause on that and let everybody know that in this house, we watch the award shows. We do. <laughs> so, because I, I sit and I root, I wish there was a, a fantasy award show team that I could come up with because I could I could kill it on that. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people could kill it in a fantasy football league or a fantasy hot and hockey league. I could kill it. Maybe that's what we'll come up with. We'll come up. We'll do that after this show. We'll make do that. that happen. Copyright. Nobody take that idea. <laughs> Don't even. But yeah, go ahead. Um, and that's coming from you, who you're doing this. This is your industry. And as far as me, I'm a former. I went to school for theater, and I. Mm-hmm. Once thought I could be an actor, so I'm, you know, very into the into Hollywood and the awards and all that. Um, that being said, the Golden Globes I thought was very interesting. Some of the categories uh, were very strange. They always are, though. They what's that movie? Mars. Martian. The Martian. Martian. Martians. Not Martian. The Martian. The Martian. <laughs> Clearly, you know what you're talking about. But it was nominated... Okay. It was nominated for a comedy, and I have heard that it was actually more light than not, because most of it is Matt Damon talking to his little camera. Coming to peace with the fact that he's on Mars, and he's probably going to die there. Right. So he just decides to make it as light as possible. So I've heard people say that it's more... That it would have been more of a surprise to them if it had been nominated for drama rather than comedy. But at the same time, I think it's interesting that that movie won out over people like Melissa McCarthy and people who have devoted their entire lives to comedy as an art form. Whereas Matt Damon, no shade on Matt Damon, but is not a comedy actor. He's an actor. He's not a comedian. And his movie won for comedy over a movie that was... Over other movies that were like Trainwreck, the like biggest Trainwreck. the biggest comedy in the whole year, this past year was Trainwreck, and it didn't win. But you know, it is what it is. Amy Schumer is a newcomer <clears throat> to the film industry. She's been in television for a while. She's been in stand up for a while, and she is probably before this year was probably the best kept secret in comedy. Probably. Um. As far as big mainstream productions go, I, I think it was weird. I, what I hated about the Globes is what I. This is what I hate about the Globes every year is that, and all the other award shows too is that, and this is just how big of a nerd I am. When you are being played off by music, don't be rude, because the thing is, people are like, "No, this is my moment. This is my." Well, first of all, you've been awarded something. You didn't purchase it like it's like you're not entitled to have all the time you want you you are awarded something it's a gift it's a it's a a recognition of that and you need to acknowledge that this is a show that people are watching if it was i could see if it was just a ceremony not televised whatever sure take all the time you want but this is a show they got to keep in they got to keep it in the confines of the 14 hours that they've set aside for this and you're just being rude. Taraji P. Henson, she did it right. But, but she deserved it. She deserved it because she she um, she um was about to get played off first. She started, I don't know if it was the music or they started counting the time clock or whatever. And she goes, uh-uh, I waited 20 years for this. You can hold on. Or whatever. And I said, yes, girl. <laughs> but then the director for Martian, when it won Best Picture, um, was getting played off. I think. I could be wrong. 
I was but, about to say, was that Martian? I don't. I truly don't remember. No, you know what? I don't think it was. Mm. I'm not going to throw shade on him. But, no, there was some guy that I remember that he was, like, getting played off, and he's like, I'm not finished. I'll speak as long as I want to speak, so screw you. And I'm like, that's just really disrespectful. They're just trying to keep the show moving because, first of all, were you on the screen? Most people don't even care to see you. Oh. I mean, unless you're one of the big-name directors... Like Ron Howard or Spielberg, Spielberg and ja- George Lucas or even um, James Cameron, um, Bigelow, Catherine Bigelow, mm-hmm. or Catherine. And now you're getting into Catherine Bigelow, who um, who's getting who was really big named for um, Zero Dark Thirty. People like that, unless you're a big name director, nobody cares yeah. to see you. I mean, some people do, but the general public and in and, and mass do not because they don't know who you are yeah so don't be mad when they play you off there were good moments though i mean america ferrera and who was it that was with her <sighs> eva longoria, eva longoria. <laughs> they got their names mixed up did they really yeah i didn't realize that like they were it was i thought go- that was the it joke it was gonna be a joke about where there's so few hispanic actresses eva longoria eva mendez america ferrera um, Sofia Vergara. Sofia Vergara. Or who's the one from Jane the Virgin? Oh, I don't remember. What's her name? I don't know. Anyway, there's just like a handful of them. So they get them. They Sorry, just, girl. They just intersperse them. It's like, oh, whatever. That's Sofia Vergara. Like, like they do with Selma Hayek and Selma Penelope Hayek. Cruz. Yeah. It's like Penelope Hayek or Selma Cruz. Did they cares? really whatever. mess up their name? I didn't even notice. I think they did. That's I think it sad. was for real. That's what it was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they, I mean, and that's just, and, and that's a very classy way for them to make a big, bold statement. Right. So, I like that. Um, and then I also liked Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Schumer. Of course, they've gotten to be the likely, just unlikely poking fun at this, just the general concept of Hollywood. That's the thing. I, there are people who think they shouldn't be the way they are. And we won't get it wrong. Like, they're, you know... When you see Jennifer Lopez coming down the red carpet looking like a statue, being the epitome of female figure, beautiful, or you see people like Kate Blanchett or Kate Winslet who are poised and they, they have very, you know, feminine ways of speaking on the mm-hmm. red carpet or whatever and very intellectual ways of speaking there's still for me I love seeing Jennifer Lawrence be irreverent when she speaks because yeah. it's like that's that's what we do that's that's what we are and um and I do think there's a time and place for everything and she can push push it too far sometimes but um hello I think I, I'm the king of pushing it too far <laughs> um but what I love more than anything is that Amy Schumer is recognized as beautiful. Yeah. Because she is beautiful. She's yeah. stunningly gorgeous. She's just not a size two. No. Nor would she want to be. So, I love them. I love them. And they're, they're talented and funny. I think it also says a lot about just how boring the whole night was at the Golden Globes when two of the things that the press and just 
the people in general who watched it grasped onto and focused on were when Brad Pitt and Ryan Gosling were on the stage at the same time. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> That's how they scream. And then when Lady Gaga bumped Leonardo DiCaprio's arm and he, like, gave her side eye, and people were well, like... What was that about? What does that mean? Are they doing blah, blah, blah? And it's like, really? That's that's the thing that we pulled to focus on the most from the evening I was disagree the fact that Lady Gaga bumped him. I disagree that he was giving her side eye. I think he was... Because I saw one one person who said that he was he looked like a, like a bashful little boy caught with his hand in the cookie jar because he was checking out her bum... Mm-hmm. And then he made a face, but he was right on the camera when he did it. Right. So, I don't know, but, you know, who cares? Lady Gaga is phenomenal, and she did a phenomenal job on American Horror Story. Oh, yeah. Um, Hotel. And she deserves all the accolades. She's the new Cher. Oh, Cher, don't listen to this. No, for sure. I mean, I'm every- sure, bitch. <laughs> Just think about it, because... Because Cher said that when she was in a movie theater once when Moonstruck came out and, or no, that wasn't what it was. She was in the movies watching a movie and then the promo for Moonstruck came out and then when people saw that Cher was in this movie. Oh yeah. They started laughing. Yeah. They thought it was ridiculous that Cher could possibly even have any kind of merit in a movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she stuck her middle finger to him all and said, "Hey, I'll take I'll, I'll take that Oscar now. Thank you so much." Yeah. Um, and I think Lady Gaga's doing the same thing. I think she's she's like, you know what? I'm not a one trick pony. Mm. I mean, if you were Lady Gaga, it's fine because that trick was phenomenal. Yeah. But but now she's acting and she's doing jazz standards and right. she's she's doing Sound of Music. Which I will say, if that's the case, I'm a little disappointed in. The, the direct I mean I don't know because you you started off this this huge persona of wearing these funky costumes and wearing you know makeup all over your eyes and like wearing pieces on your eyes and stuff and now you're just a beautiful woman doing phenomenal work and I'm like your persona's changing and I'm I'm sad to see the the crazy go well if some people have theorized that the crazy quote unquote was her foot in the door her way to get noticed, and now that she is a name, she can calm down and sort of more or less become the artist that she's always wanted to be. Maybe. Oh, I mean, I, whatever you want to do, do it. Because right. She's, she's talented. Because she's talented, so whatever. I mean, it's not like she's not talented. And also, let's be clear, they will be judged either way. Because mm-hmm. look at Madonna. Madonna, don't jump down my throat, people, but <laughs> Madonna is more or less doing what she's always done. With no shame. Right. And she's judged for it, because they're like, oh, Granny, you need to sit down. And who says Granny needs to sit down? She's in great shape. And I will say, I was one of those people who said, get your life together, you old old lady. I was too, but then I thought about it, and I realized, who says she has to? Right. I I think what I, I think I just am bored with her, because she's doing the same type of music she's always done. And stuff. But I'm like, but do it. If you're still making money for it, do it. Whatever. Yeah. And she's clearly still enjoying it. So Yeah. And she still comes comes to the red carpet wearing matador outfits. Why not? Go for it. Rock rock. I just fi- I just find it more interesting to be more like Cindy Lauper. And I've always said this because Cindy Lauper did <laughs> why are you laughing? She's just a funny person to me. But the thing is, she's interested. And like Jane Fonda always says, it's more important to be interested than interesting. 
Yes. And I agree with that because she's done her 90 or her 80s rock bit. And for, I think for like almost a year, she moved to Memphis to write a blues album. Mm -hmm. Just because she's like, I've done the rock thing. I want to do something else. I want to learn something else. So she moved to Memphis, wrote a blues album. It was wildly successful. And then she teams up with Harvey Firestein and writes one of the most wildly successful uh, Broadway shows of the 21st century. Kinky Boots. Yeah. And wins the Tony for it. And she's the first woman to solo win, to solely win on her own, not with the team, team, you know, the partnership of a man. First woman to win a Tony for composition. Yeah. By herself. There's been women others who were, on, were part of a writing team, but she's the first woman who just did that. So I'm like, that to me is more interesting than, yeah, you've got a rocking body. And you're singing the same kind of music over and over and over again. But no shade on Madonna. Yes, no shade on Madonna. Do you like that? That I I throw all kinds of shade and then I say no throwing shade on Madonna. It's the new no offense. No offense. No shade. No shade. I'll tee no shade. But, yeah, so the Oscars, we started this year off with the, um, the Golden Globes, the People's Choice Awards. Um... And now the Oscars. The Oscars are coming this this coming month. And it's going to be interesting to see. I just really hope um, to see that Leonardo DiCaprio does win. Because I think he's, he has a body of work that deserves to be honored by the Oscar. I think so. You know, he's had some questionable roles, but who hasn't? But maybe Especially if they've been in business for as long as he has. Right. I mean, maybe it's the curse of Titanic because Kate Winslet did the same thing. She got nominated six times or something. And never won, mm-hmm. but she finally won, so good for her. Yeah. W- would you like to take a moment to talk about my the, the way that I obsess over things sometimes before I talk about my next obsession that's happening in February? I mean, I'll take a few moments because... Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, deserves to be talked about. <laughs> uh, and friends of, uh, of ours will certainly agree. This, this one here is always looking for something new to get obsessed with, which in some ways is great. But when he becomes obsessed with something, it's not just that he has to then go online and do all this research about it and learn as much as he can about it. Then he will purchase memorabilia and he'll purchase books and he'll purchase all these other knick-knacky things that will then fill our house. Hmm. Well, I think some of those obsessions are legitimate and and socially acceptable across the board, like I Love Lucy and Lucille Ball. Right. You know, mutual, not mutually exclusive. I'm obsessed with both of them. Um, but then there's some that get a little bit... Eh, skewed. Skewed. I mean, I, the reasons for me being obsessed are not overtly clear. I have an example what's, of that. I was about to say, what's your your example? The one that always comes to mind first for me is a certain individual named James Oglethorpe. Oh, see, I was thinking of the Ricky Martin phase, but you're thinking of James Oglethorpe. See, for me... <laughs> for, did you did you forget about James? I Oglethorpe? forgot about James Oglethorpe. I forgot about James Oglethorpe. See, for me, Ricky Martin is more or less legitimate, because 
Well, okay, I'll, I'll give a five-second explanation of Ricky Martin. I picked up his book when I worked at a bookstore. He's a very eloquent writer and a very prolific life he's led um, to his rise to fame. And now he's living his true self. He's adopted twins. And he kind of explained some of the things in his writing his music. Um, like when he was going, when he was in the depths of of hiding who he was, he moved to India to write an album, which is my favorite album, and it's his least successful album because it wasn't commercially, you know, common. It was he he had the culture of India in that all that, but that was it. But James Oglethorpe, James Oglethorpe, but yeah, James Oglethorpe is a man. He was the man who correct me if I'm wrong founded the colony of Savannah in Georgia. Well, no, he, he was... Okay, so the what it was, was he... Um, yes, he was heavily in Savannah, because Savannah's one of the first cities in Georgia. Um, but he was commissioned to be the governor of Georgia. Oh, okay. Which is... By the crown. By the crown, because it was the colony. And so... Um, but, yeah, because Georgia, of course, didn't look what it looks like today. It was, you know... It was, Whatever. Swampy. I mean, it was... I mean, the the popular... I mean, maybe it was... Did look the way that it looked today, but it wasn't... There wasn't all the cities, and it wasn't as populated. It was... So, Savannah was one of the first, because it's the port city. Right. Um, but, yeah, James Oglethorpe. And there was Oglethorpe Drive, or Oglethorpe Road, I think lanes. that's the way it started. We were just driving down because the street in Savannah. Because we were on vacation in Savannah uh, several years ago. And we were driving around, and I kept seeing Oglethorpe, and I said, who is this Oglethorpe? Well, I asked one of the natives, and they said that he was the first to be, he was the first governor of Georgia. He founded Georgia. Um, and so, that started the endless pursuit for me to try to find a biography about James Oglethorpe, because I wanted to know who he was. Um, and I found it. So on that trip, I took two I took two biographies home because I, I do love biography. That's my favorite genre of book to read. I don't know why. I think it's because I have a history degree and everybody has a story to tell and blah de blah de blah. But I took two two books home. First was James Oglethorpe's biography, and an autobiography autographed by Paula Dean. Yep. But okay, so that yes, that is the most ridiculousness of my obsessions that just nobody understood. Like even. My professor, Dr. Connolly, who was a history instructor, she she specialized in British history and United Kingdom and and all that and Ireland and whatever. But she's from Georgia, and I told her about my obsession with James Oglethorpe, and she looked at me like I had four heads. She was like, "Why? He's just a guy that founded Georgia. He was, but he was very interesting. He was friends with John John Adams." And he left Georgia before the Revolutionary War took place, and somebody else took over Georgia, so he was always a a citizen of England under the crown. He never was part of that. Um, And he kind of had a sad life in the end. It was kind of lonely. It made me sad. Hmm. But... That being said, uh-huh. I have a new obsession. Do I know about this yet? Yes, you do. Okay, good. But you don't know what I've done. No, God. <laughs> I was gone for a whole week. I can't do that. It was not a big thing, but while you were gone, I was shopping at Target, and look what I found on the shelf. 
Oh, that's what it was. Full House. Full House on the cover of People magazine. Full House stars. And you know that this is this is just as good as ABC or NBC News. What, People magazine? Yes. Oh, yeah. Search it out. Um, Hard so, thing. So, yeah, I just want to take a moment to talk about just how excited I am about Fuller House. Okay, go ahead. Because that's also my obsessions, are sitcoms, mm-hmm. and older sitcoms. Like, it ended in the night. I mean, I like the sitcoms today, but older sitcoms that ended with TGIF. And if for you youngsters who don't know what TGIF was, it was a block of time on Friday night on ABC where it was Full House, Family Matters, Step by Step. Um, I can't even think of all the other ones that were on there. So many, but it was just, it was everything. I used to sit at home on Friday nights and watch them. But I was young, so it wasn't like I was had a life to go out and do anything. So, yeah, I want to talk about Fuller House. Today. Okay. Yay. So what are your thoughts? Because you were not as married to television as I was. Not at all. Not until we met, really. Um, however, that being said, I did watch Full House to the extent that I watched really any TV show at that time, which was, if it was on... If I just happened to see it on, I would think, oh, I like the show, and then watch the episode, but I didn't follow it. Um, but, I mean, it was... And I still, whenever I see it on TV, I always, you know, leave it on that channel and watch it while I'm eating dinner or whatever I'm doing. Um, I, I think, think it has a... There's a reason why it's stuck in the, the lexicon as it has and why it's having a resurgence in this sequel, because... It really struck a chord for a lot of people, and it was very popular for a good reason. Uh, I think for me, and I think a lot of people my age, I'm 28, a lot of people my age will say this too, like, the Olsen twins were our age, and they were obscenely popular. And yeah. so we followed their career through Grandmother's House We Go, to It Takes Two, to that one about them in New York nobody cared about, to... Did you know that there's a Game Boy video game based on that? I did. <laughs> what? The It Takes Two? No, the New York one. Really? Yeah. What is it called? The New York Minute. Yep. Yeah, it's called New York Minute. Um... Wow, that's funny. But they had a Game Boy game. They had other Game Boy they games, did. too. I mean, they were... They, they had makeup. They had clothes. They had everything. And... They were, the, they were the first self-made billionaires before they were 30. Or before they were like, whatever, I don't know. Before they were old. Like, they made themselves. I mean, they did, I mean, I, I kind of think they were thrust into it, but hello. If my mother had thrust me into something like that, and then I was a billionaire, go ahead, do it again. Let's do it, let's go for a round two. I'll be a billionaire. I don't know. They have this look of, Death. of needing, needing help in their eyes today. Maybe, is it help or just food? They need food. Well, both. They look like they need. They haven't eaten in several years, but they are the ones that are, uh, you know, not even. They're ominously absent from Fuller yeah. House, but l- just because there may be somebody out there who hasn't heard about Fuller House or whatever, the synopsis is that DJ, who is the oldest daughter of the three, so the original show was. Danny was a widower. He just had a brand new baby. So his wife, his deceased wife's brother, moves in to 
the house to help take care of the kids, and his best friend Joey moves into the house to help take care of the kids. So it's three men raising three daughters, and then... Uh, Danny the dad is on Wake Up San Francisco with Rebecca Donaldson and Rebecca Donaldson starts dating Jesse his brother-in-law and they have kids and they have twins and they just these people just keep living in this big huge San Franciscan house instead of going out and getting their own homes they just live there so it's a full house so yeah and now the synopsis is that DJ married a man named Fuller had two kids just had a third one, but he's passed away. Um, and art imitating life. Stephanie, the middle girl, having some trouble in her life, trying to make a music career happen. Um, she's there. And then Kimmy Gibbler is back for more. She's a single mom. She looks good. She does look good. Do you know that she's educated beyond belief? Really? Yes, I'll tell you about that in a minute. She moves in with her daughter, so it's Kimmy, DJ, and Stephanie with DJ's three kids, Kimmy's one daughter, and they're all raising the kids, but that's the thing. They've sold the house, that big, beautiful house. Um, They sold it, but DJ bought it. So now they're all going to move into the original home. Danny's married again. Um, I think Joey, I don't know what's going on with him. He's just still cutting it out. (laughs) <laughs> um, and they said the twins are going to be on there a little bit with Rebecca and, and Jesse Katsopoulos. That's his last name, Rebecca Katsopoulos. Um, but yeah, I am, I couldn't talk about this enough. Couldn't talk about it enough. We'll try. I, <laughs> um, so yeah, let me read you this real quick about, um, <clears throat> Kimmy Gimbler, Gimbler, <laughs> Gibbler, uh, Audria, Audrey. Audrey Barber. How do you say that? Audra. Uh, Audra? Audra? Audrey? I'm assuming it's Audrey. Audra. I'll say Audra. Audra Barber, who is Kimmy Gibbler. When Full House ended, Barber, 39, moved right into the dorms at at Whittier College, going to work in higher education. So that's her real life. She went to Whittier College and never looked back to acting. She didn't want to act anymore. Wow. Um, I loved the craft. I just don't really like the business, says the divorced mom of two. I came back simply for Fuller House, but she always stayed close to BFF Cameron Bray. Whenever we post a picture together, there's this hashtag, uh, hashtag friendship goals, she says. But yeah, so she just like left the business, not interested. But now she liked that movie about the witches. Did she? The craft. <laughs> Other than that, though, screw Hollywood. Are you serious? What do you mean? Did you think that's what that meant? No. Oh. <laughs> okay, but this now is, this like... is a comedy podcast. I'm making jokes. <laughs> that was funny. Mm, good. I, I, that's the thing. I, I'm always shocked at when you're funny because I don't. <laughs> I don't think you're funny at all. No, you don't. <laughs> He's always so proud when I'm funny. I, just, I am. I'm like I get this look. I stop the world from turning so we can all look at you and laugh. But yeah. So and Candace Cameron Bure. Okay, that's another thing that I do every morning. I watch The View, and she's now a co-host on The View, and I'm okay with this because her brother. Crazy, crazy, crazy for feeling. <clears throat> oh my! I got a frog in my throat. <laughs> Is that what that was? Shut up! I'm so embarrassed. Um, 
But no, so, yeah. She is, like, Christian, and I love it, because she has her beliefs, but she's also um, way more secular than he is, because he refuses... I mean, I'm surprised he gets up and goes outside in the morning. Does he even? Do we know for a fact that he Well, I don't know. I don't have, like, a... I don't, like, have a team on Kirk Cameron, but he does not like... Any kind of, like, mm -mm. Mm -mm. anything that might be worldly or secular, get it out of my life. So I'm sure maybe he don't even talk to her anymore since he's on The View with, like, Whoopi Goldberg and and Joy Behar. You sit next to these pilots. A raven, yeah. But that's the thing. Candace has always been friends with Raven. They've been friends because they were on, because she was on The Cosby Show, which I'm trying to get a petition together so we can re-release the Cosby shows and call it the Felicia Rashad show because let's face it she was the best part of that show she was um but yeah so Candace Cameron Bure let's I'll I'll read hers real quick the mom of three and Dancing with the Stars alum also co-hosts The View where her conservative viewpoint has subjected her to plenty of fan feedback sometimes social media is brutal but I've had people tell me hey I totally prejudged you before the more I hear you talk you surprise me this year, she and her husband, retired hockey player Valerie Beret, celebrated their 20th anniversary, and she turns 40. I've always enjoyed aging, but I'm kind of ha- hanging on to every last day that I'm 39. That's true. I'm feeling that, too. But I think the most surprising... Well, I mean, I don't know if it's surprising, but the most, like, dramatic um, person is um, Judy, Jody Sweeten. Judy Sweeten. Judy Sweeten. Judy Sweeten. Judy Sweeten, um, who played Stephanie Tanner, the middle child, because she dabbled in crystal meth. She did. I don't know if it's a dabble thing. But she And at the time when she was dabbling with crystal meth, she was married to a cop. Do you know that? I think I did know that. People are knocking on our doors. I mean, on our walls. Um, so it says, acting was always... My first love, says Sweeten33, Sweeten who is auditioning again after working in a drug and alcohol treatment facility and battling an addiction to crystal meth herself. I will have five years of sobriety in March. Woo! I just want to give a clap for a shout-out for Jody Sweeten. Yay. She, because uh, there's nothing greater, because that's the thing with addiction. If you're addicted, it's a disease. It's not a bad person thing. It's not... You know, Something you're not the way. lowest form of life because she was a holly. She had money. She had full house money. Yeah. So it's not a poor people thing. It's not a demographic thing. Drugs. Construction. Um, drugs can seep in to your life no matter where you are. You can mm-hmm. be the richest person on the planet. You can be in the gutter. It'll seep in. But the thing is, there's there's facilities and there's rehab and there's AA and there's NA which is narcotics anonymous um there's these things that can help you and if you go into those programs and you come out on the other side with 5 years of sobriety that's amazing yeah because that means it didn't take you down and i hope that she's good and i think being on the show will help too cuz i mean Candace Cameron Bure, she's just a ball of sunshine. I can't say she enough is. good things about Candace Cameron Bure. She seems like she is anyway. I mean, she may pray with you. Like, she may be like, let's pray about this. But maybe prayer is what Jody Sweeten needed when she was going through crystal meth. Um, but I'll have five years of sobriety in March. It's given me a lot of gratitude. My life is amazing. Says the divorced mom of two, a trained singer. Who knew? 
Uh, she recently shook off stage fright. I found that I that if you just throw away, if you, I found that if you just throw yourself off the cliff of fear, it's usually about a one foot drop. That is so true. Wow. That is such a good line. Mm-hmm. The cliff of fear. It's usually a one foot drop. Because yeah, that's I very mean, true. That's that's profound. I love it. There's not enough good things that can be said about Fuller House. Just not enough. If you guys could see his face right now. I'm really excited about this. He's like, glowing. Like, it started with Girl Meets World, because I loved Boy Meets World, because I was Corey Matthews in high school. You were. That was me. Yeah. That was me. Um, so I loved that show, and then they did it. They did it. I mean, they just did it whenever Girl Meets World came out. Perfect. Perfect. Can't say it enough. It was perfect. It was the perfect follow-up to Boy Meets World. It is a very good little Disney show. I watch every episode. Me and my niece watch it together. Eden and I watch it together. Isn't that funny? How cute. There's a show that my that I that that's why it's so perfect. My eight-year-old niece who loves everything pre-tween, preteen now. Um, she was an iCarly fanatic, and I love it. She's got her iPod. We text all the time. I love that there's a show that we can watch together and just talk about it yeah. extensively. Because I, I can't, I say more about it than she does. I'm like, oh, that girl, I am involved in Riley's life. Let me, I'm digressing. Well, just, I'm going to digress for a minute too, because all I want to say is that show, uh, Girl Meets World, talks about some pretty heavy stuff. And yeah. I love, I love seeing, Disney does that a lot. Um, I love seeing a quote unquote kid show where they delve into things. I mean, that show has talked about divorce and bad parents and like one of the central characters was struggling with the fact that he might have had Asperger's oh yeah I mean it was Farkle Farkle Minkus yeah that's the thing too I love about that and I hope they do that in this show too um in Girl Meets World they like his name was Farkle like Minkus was the original like nerdy boy that was kind of that's who I was in high school The you were a Minkus, Minkus. you were such a Minkus in high school so I thought when the show started that his that Farkle was his last name because it was like Farkle Minkus they were they played the character yeah turns out Farkle is Minkus's son and they both go <laughs> um because Minkus was in in love with Topanga Sort of, but they all but they also had a rivalry because she was the the best of the best of the best, and he was too. They had a rivalry, and I, I I hate that there's no rivalry of wit in Girl Meets World, but who needs it? There's enough going on under this table. Yep. Um. But yeah, I'm just it was it's such a good show, and they have like an Angela came back, and then Jack came back, and then um, uh, what's his name? Sean, Sean came back. The parents come back. I mean, everybody. Mr. Feeney was in the first episode, but now um, Corey Matthews is playing the Feeney character. Isn't that funny? I love it. Oh, my God, I can't say enough. Okay, so speaking of not being able to say enough. (laughs) Wrap it up. Back to Fuller House. Back to Fuller House, because... I hope that they have moments where people come in, and I think the Olsen twins will show up. If If it makes money, sure. I mean, they're they're just so... See, see, I heard that they had nothing whatsoever, no interest whatsoever in doing it, and the the writers and creators are already coming up with plans to say, oh, well, they're, they're having a thriving fashion career in New York. Mm-hmm. Or she. Not There's not two of them. It's just Michelle. Right. People, people have been saying that every conversation. Or, Do you think they'll be back? Do you think they'll be back? And we're like... And I tell them... 
there was two of them on the show because of child labor laws. Right. Two people don't have to share an adult role. Right. You just need one of them. And I even heard a far-fetched rumor that they were going to get their little sister Elizabeth Olsen to play her because she looks enough like them that that could very well be Michelle grown up. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. It has to be the original. It has to be, or else I will write letters. So Strongly worded letters. Um, so, yeah, and Lori Laughlin, I loved her growing up, and I thought she was going to take a, I don't know, her career, I thought it was going somewhere, and it went somewhere else because... She was on 90210, the reboot. I love it. Ooh, I could just go nuts for a reboot. When it's when it's a spinoff, I love it. Love it. I'm getting southern now. You're getting very... Uh, <laughs> getting very Blanche Devereaux That right is the here. night the lights went out in Georgia. I did just go into a Blanche Devereaux slash um, Julia Sugarbaker hybrid baby right there, <laughs> but... I do, but Laurie Laughlin, she was on 90210, she was the mom, but then she left that show, but now she's on a show called Wind Calls the Heart from the Hallmark Channel. Oof. It's not good. My mother loves it. Uh, well. But, <laughs> but my mother loves all the Hallmark Channels. When I was home for Christmas this past year, I've seen every single Christmas movie Candace Cameron Bure did, and some of the ones that Tiffany Thiessen did. You know, who, who played Kelly Kapowski slash Valerie Malone on 90210 and Saved by the Bell? Not respectively. I got those mixed up. I saw a Kenneth Cameron Bray movie on Hallmark over my trip just now where she's married. Was it the one about the dog in the park? No. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to edit that out. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Oh, my God. It's the one where she's married to... Some guy, and the movie starts with her pregnant, and she drive he drives her over to this lot, this this field that he's bought, and he's like, "This is going to be our dream home." And then flash forward fifteen years, they have two children, and she's a super successful working mother, and he's in some kind of, you know, he's vague business person, and he's so distracted by everything, and he never does what he's supposed to do, and he never shows up for the kids, and they're having a bad time, and they might get divorced, but then they decide to work it out, and they, we, we, we avow, what's it called? Reevaluate? No, where they, uh, reaffirm Re- their vows, oh, recommit, okay. that's what Re-commit. it is, where they recommit their vows to one another, and then they live happily ever after. And I'm just like, girl? Renew their vows. Renew their vows, yes. <laughs> and I'm just like, girl, he's a deadbeat. He can't remember to plug in his laptop. Listen, I just wonder if, like... I wonder how many times Candace Cameron Bure does these movies and and she's like, ah, I'd have done something different. <laughs> That's all. Just wondering. Um, now, I saw Bob Saget do stand-up one time when I was living in Los Angeles. I was not impressed. Right. He is... It seems kind of garbage. He's, he's crude. But I do love him on the show. So it says, fresh off, fresh off a stint on Broadway, the longtime stand-up comedian, 59, says nothing tops his real-life role as dad. His three, gra- his three grown daughters with ex-wife Sherry Kramer are the highlight of my life and the best people I know. His oldest is friendly with the Olsons, but during Full House, my daughter would smell the other baby on me when I came home and think I was cheating on her. Uh-huh. That's weird. Babies don't do that, do they? Probably. He says with a laugh. Oh. Uh, 
<laughs> Currently single, he adds, I like reporting it because then you become my Tinder service. People magazine. Swipe right. See, he's kind of a garbage person, he's but I like him. Um, and Dave Coulier. I think Dave Coulier's, um, like, really claim to fame in pop culture beyond Full House is the fact that he dated Alanis Morissette and she wrote a song about him giving him a handy J in a movie theater. Yep. So, it says, it starts to get a little strange, he says, the comedian of the cast's closeness. Oh. Like, we are these people all still friends? Wait. Whoa. What kind I, of language is he speaking? No, I read that wrong. Like, why are these people all still friends? Didn't the show go off the air? It's weird in a wonderful way. Collier, 56, who has a 25-year-old son with his ex-wife, Jane Modine, says the group banded together when he, Jeff Franklin, Stamos, and Saget all lost their mothers within a year. There, there was just an instant support system. I consider those guys my family. And they were all there to... Celebrate in 2014 when he married longtime love Melissa Breen, 32. Mm, okay, Gretel Robert, a, f- a photographer. She's my best friend, he says. When I'm gone, it's like, wow, I get to go home to this amazing person. That's sweet, whatever. That is sweet. Um, and he's very useful, so. It cut it out. <laughs> love it. So, okay. Um, Yeah. Here, here we go. Let's see. Okay, here's what uh, they have to say about the Olsen twins. Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Michelle Tanner. Ashley said, I have not been in front of a camera since I was 17, and I don't feel comfortable acting, says executive producer Bob Boyer. Mary-Kate said, it would have to to be me, because Ash doesn't want to do it. But the timing is so bad for us. Like, I just don't... I don't know. I feel like you can... I feel like you can do things if you want them done. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're a billionaire and you're living in New York. You could do things if you want. The 29-year-old fashion designers were at work on their collection and did not return people's requests for commit. Com- commit. For commit. Comment. Still, they sent their support and Boyer is not surprised by their path. Even as kids, they always loved dressing up. He, said fa- he says, fashion has always been there in their bones. And the show draws upon that. Michelle is absent because she's busy renew- running her fashion empire in New York City. So she's not just trying. She's got an empire. Oh, yeah. What they're mm-hmm. saying. But there's going to be kids. I love this. And apparently I read online that uh, Kimmy Gibbler is married. Well, has the baby. Has her daughter with, like, this, like, Antonio Banderas Spaniard type. Who's, hmm. like, very hot-blooded Latin lover. But he's very, you know, crazy. So he's going to be in and out of the show, too. Um, But, yeah, I just think it's... I think the Olsen twins... Well, I think Mary-Kate Olsen will show up. You think so? I think so. I think... I I mean, I don't think she's ever going to be on the show. I think she may commit to, like, two two appearances in season two. And then maybe a third appearance in season three. Or something. I think she'll pop in and out. I don't think she's going to be there. Like, the rest of these people... But that's the thing. They're doing it in 13 episode increments on Netflix. So you can record this over your summer break. Because John Stamos has a show called Grandfathered, which I love. That's cute. Um, and also, Laurie Laughlin is doing When Calls the Heart. I mean, to each his own. Um, so yeah, everybody's kind of got... And Candace Cameron Bray is on The View. So everybody's kind of got their own gig, but you can do this over your summer break or whatever. And keep it going. Yeah. Because I want this to keep going. I wish they would do 
more like Girl Meets World because Girl Meets World, it became so popular in its first season, they ordered a full season. They're in, they're, they've got their first full 22-episode season, and now they're in their second season, which will also be 22 episodes. So I'm like, this is big, and that's big news for Disney because usually, used to, they would only ever order 44 episodes for any show. Mm-hmm. And if they cancel that, I will write more letters <laughs> because I love that show. I just wish they would do more. Like, where is Urkel now? Where'd he go? He and Laura wound up together. Spoiler alert. Sorry about that. But if you haven't seen it. <laughs> you had how many years? You had a lot of years. It was off the air in 98. It's almost been 20 years. Um, nobody cares where Step by Step is. One time when I was living in Los Angeles, I saw Suzanne Summers' house catch on fire. Um, but, yeah. Just throwing that out there. Did you know that also Suzanne Summers was the first person to ever have a boob grown for her? Yep. They took tissue out of one boob and made another one because she had breast cancer. Yeah. Got a mastectomy. So I, now, like, I like what she's doing. I like her thing. Over and then there. years later, you know, three-way poncho and electrode things for your face. What's a three-way poncho? That was her thing. That was her clothing thing that she pushed. Did she really? Three-way poncho, yeah. So she's, like, groundbreaking. <laughs> well, she's always... I mean... She's now more famous for being a spokesperson. Well, she does have an online show, and she and uh, Joyce DeWitt got on that show one time and made up. But I wish they could have done it before John before um, John Ritter died, but they didn't. But they went on that show, and they made up right there on the show. I watched it. I'll show you that video later. Hmm. Oh, my God. I can't get enough of TV. You really can't. I love it. But you know what? I appreciate the fact that you've gotten a lot better in the past month, even. I realize I being, watch too much. At telling me, you don't have to watch this with me. Oh, I did, because I used to tell you all the I time. I used to have no choice. That you to have to watch this, because you've never seen anything but Golden Girls, which that's a good foundation, but still, there's more out there. He used to force me to watch them. He used to, like, just tie me to the chair. Oh, and, I love And spoon-feed me pudding. Did I really? <laughs> I never know when you're joking. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I, I can't wait to see because if this is a success, they're gonna do more shows. They're gonna. I wonder what show they could do. They could do um, Saved by the Bell. That's what I was thinking. They should do a Saved by the Bell, but oh, Screech, Spike, Spike, Audio Spike. Oh, Screech. They could. I mean, Screech is a garbage heap. He has a porn he, out, he, and he's he in, and he's in jail in like Minnel Minnelopus. Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Minnesota. <laughs> Minnelopolopagus. Um, but yeah, they could do that, or they could do... I know I'm missing one. Jimmy Fallon started it all, though, um, when he would do reunions on his show. Yeah. He would do um, reunions of cast members, and then that just kind of led one thing to another. Um, so yeah, I'm just... I can't wait. I'm over the moon for this Fuller House. When it launches, I've got to go to Target like very soon and buy the full series of Full House on DVD because I have to I have to see it from the beginning. Do you? I have to. It's my it's it's. it's my How many job. seasons was it? Eight. Oh. Do you know the theme song? I do know the theme song. I'm not going to sing it though. You're not going to sing it? No. Why not? I don't want to. I wonder what the theme song will be for Fuller House. I hope they write one. If they don't write a theme song for Fuller House, write letters. Write letters. I will write a letter. I did that to Starbucks the other day. Did I tell you about that? Uh, they were rude to me in Starbucks, so I tweeted about them like seven or eighteen times. And 
they wrote me back. They were like, hey, can you email us what's going on? I'm like, well, you asked. Don't ask me. So I wrote them this long email. I wrote them this really, really, really long email saying, I went into the fact that I read uh, Howard Schultz's book about the culture of Starbucks and how he stepped down as CEO, but then he wasn't happy with where it was going, so he retook it back. And I said, I read the culture of what you want to do. And I said, in my hometown of Coleman, Alabama, that culture is alive and thriving. I go in there, and it is this respite of new world, this 21st century community. And I said, but I, here in New York, where I'm at, right next to my store, I don't like it. I'm blah, 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 blah. I just went all into it, told them how stupid they were about everything. And then their manager called me. They were like, Kyle, we heard you had some trouble, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't need to talk to you. Weren't you trained? Did you train? Did you, you know, you know what you're supposed to do. Just do it. You don't have to ask me and give me special treatment when I come in there. Just treat me like you're supposed to be treating everybody. And it's, but they do know me by name in there now. So when I walk in and they hear my name is Kyle, and this is in Times Square. That's how, that's how many letters I've written. This is in Times Square. They all walk in, they're like, Kyle, oh, hey, Kyle, how are you doing today? They get all, and they get my coffee so much faster, and those tourists get so mad when I get to cut line. But, you know, write a letter. All you gotta do is write a letter. That's what I was gonna say. Moral of the story. Write letters. If you want your coffee faster, write a letter. If you don't like what's going on on Fuller House, write a letter. And always start, always start your letters by telling the company that you read their founder's book. Right, exactly. I'm going to, I'm not going to lie, if I worked at a Starbucks and I saw a letter that had been written to us and it started with, well, two years ago I read Howard Schultz's book, I would have been like, oh God, I'm just throwing it away. I probably would too, I'm like a garbage person, but no. We have to start holding each other accountable. If you don't like what you're seeing on TV, write a letter. Give me a give me a theme song. We don't do theme songs anymore. I think I need to end this. Okay. Because I'm getting a little bit. The crazy's coming out. The crazy's coming. Well, it's the end of month one, and I already have messes to clean up. I have a retraction. In the last episode, I said that Terry Gar played the role of Pam Katsopoulos Tanner in the Full House episode, Goodbye, Mr. Bear, when in actuality it was played by Christy Hauser. You may remember Christy Hauser from such memorable roles as Lisa Danielle on the original Fame or Debbie Spooner from Alfred Hitchcock Presents. But I believe the role that will forever endear Christy Hauser to us will be the role of the voice of Atina in the critically acclaimed and nerdly beloved Kingdom Hearts video games. But yeah, this is this has been fun. I'm I'm really getting into it. This is the last episode of of the what I'm I'm considering the premiere of the show because I started with my parents and then my sister and her family and now it's you and so after this it's just hit the ground running, which I do believe that you'll probably be recurring. You'll see me again. Mm-hmm. Or you'll hear me again. I was about to say they haven't seen you yet. Tell us what you think I look like. <laughs> based on the sound of my voice. Tweet me what you think he looks like. That's gonna um, be scary. Oh my god. That would be funny. But, anyway, let's go get some dinner. Let's do. Well, thanks for joining me for yet another episode of Kyle's Friends Are Funny. And I've got some exciting news. I've got a review on iTunes. One girl, 
or maybe guy, I don't know. Cool Whip 76 says, love it, and gave me five stars. Thanks, Cool Whip. I have no idea who you are. Music.bensound.com. So that was the episode with me and Ethan on Kyle's Friends Are Funny. As you heard, it was the fourth episode that I did ever. So that was my fourth podcast I ever recorded. Um, And now, so many years later, I'm still doing it. I hope that it's gotten better and my skills have gotten more uh, finely tuned. But... um, yeah, it was really fun to do it with him, and this past episode was fun. My mom's coming to visit next uh, next month, hopefully, if it all goes according to plan. So I'll sit down with her and record an episode, and then you'll get to hear the bonus episode of my parents talking about their life in Bug Tussle, Alabama. That'll be fun. But anyway, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode for you, a brand-new, fresh episode. But um, if you would like to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at at Kyle L. Henderson and also on Twitter at Kyle L. Henderson. And if you really like the show, um, I'd love to hear from you. So be sure to hop on over to iTunes um, and give me a rating and a review. And if, you, if you're listening to this on a different method, then hop over to the Facebook page. We Need to Talk is the Facebook page, and that's where the conversation starts and continues after the show. So that's where we talk about what you want to hear me talk about on the show. We get ideas. We discuss things on the show further. So I hope you're enjoying the listening, and I'll see you next week. Uh-huh.